Good afternoon. Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Really excited to have Ann Clark, the chair of the Minnesota Off-Road Cyclists in the studio. Ann, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. It's good to, <laughs> good to have you here. Nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into all things dirt, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of track cycling, as we always do. Uh, we have uh, some updates. Uh, Jen Valenti basically won everything last time in Minsk. She won the Team Pursuit, the points race, and the Omnium, and she managed to grab a bronze in the scratch race as well. So uh, she was very busy over there representing the U.S. Uh, she's a fantastic person and actually has raced up here at the National Sports Center Velodrome. So uh, we love Jen, and she's an amazing racer, and so we're excited to have uh, her doing so well. Uh, Ashton Lambie also took bronze in the individual pursuit in Minsk. And this weekend, the Glasgow uh, round of the World Cup is going on. There is no women's team pursuit team from the U.S. this year. In fact, uh, only uh, Christina Birch is racing for the U.S. this time around uh, in Glasgow. She's racing the Omnium starting tomorrow. Um, big announcement to a member of the U.S. Uh, gold medal or world championship team pursuit team, Kimberly Geist, has announced her retirement just yesterday, in fact. So uh, they're going to have some work to do to rebuild their uh, capabilities, especially since the Brits uh, set a new uh, fourth fastest time, I believe, um, on the team pursuit uh, per, uh, performances yesterday. So lots going on there. Unfortunately, the men's uh, U.S. team pursuit team missed qualification in the rounds in Glasgow, and that does mean that they are out of consideration for the Olympics in 2020. So disappointment for the U.S. team, but we hope that the women will represent as they always have uh, over the last few years. Next up in the World Cup uh, races, we have Hong Kong, and that's coming up at the end of the month, November 29th through the 1st of December. So lots of stuff going on as we are into the heavy track season. Of course, Ghent Six Day is coming up next week, uh, and Elio Kaisa, who is a hometown boy in Ghent, is racing with uh, Cavendish. So it's a fairly high likelihood that those boys will, uh, will do well in Ghent. All right, and let's dig into some dirt, shall we? We shall. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what the mission of Mork really is. Uh, simply put, our mission is gaining and maintaining trails. We're really focused on boots on the ground, trails, development, management, maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the essence of what Mork does. So you really are putting shovels into the ground. Yes, we are. That's yes, fantastic. Are. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about your role. What is what is the role of the chair of uh, Mork? Um, officially, so we're a nonprofit licensed through the state of Minnesota. Um, I am the chair. I like to call myself the female president. Um, <laughs> I know some people disagree with me because most nonprofit <laughs> boards just have the chair and the vice chair, but yep. I think you know, president and vice president sounds better. Uh, Sam Pond is my counterpart, my vice president. Um, we have not a full board. We have nine members. We are recruiting, just putting it out there, president at morkmtb.org if you're interested. Um, but uh, we, we do it all. We manage uh, volunteers, membership. We do, um, you know, trail work days, dig days. We do grants, funding, all... Basically, anything you can think of that relates to the actual dirt on the trail, we are part of it. Um, we don't do racing, mm -hmm. uh, and we just started newly, and we'll get into this later, I know, mm -hmm. uh, partnership with the Minnesota State High School League. Um, but we don't do racing just because mm -hmm. it's a little, it's a conflict of interest because sure. we are a nonprofit, yep. so it does get a little dicey, and there already is an established racing uh, 
community in the state yeah. of Minnesota. Yeah. And you guys so. are really focused on the infrastructure, obviously, yes. making sure that yes. those trails are available for yep. people to use. We have uh, eight land managers that we work with across uh, 13 or 14 trails right now. It's wow. kind of hard to keep track. We do have a lot in the works, which again, we're going to yeah, get into Yeah, I'm excited later. to learn about that. Yeah. So we got a lot of lot of things going on. That's so, great. Yeah. Tell me how you got, got started with Mork. What was your origin story? Uh I uh, started dating this guy named Jay. We're married now. This was about 12 years ago. And Seems I to his, have worked out. Yeah, it, it did a little <laughs> bit, you know. Uh, but his friend Graydon was like, hey, you want to go ride mountain bikes? And I was like, sure, being the adventurous person that yeah. I am. So I bought, uh, I literally bought the same day I bought a mountain bike. Wow. And went to, um, oh my gosh, what is the trail out in Chaska? Mammoth, the mm-hmm. Mammoth Trail. Uh, so this was again, 12 years ago yeah. and, uh, you know, it took me a couple hours to get through the trail. There were some <laughs> like slogging and bogging happening. Yeah. A little hike a bike uh, here and there. But I, I always tell people it was a trial by fire and I just loved it and it lit me up. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's how I got into it. Been addicted ever since. So yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and so, so you rode for a number of years, but then obviously came in the fairly recent past to your, your involvement with Mork. How did you get connected with Mork as an organization? Well, interestingly, like two paths collided. I've, I've known Graydon and we still talk. I think he's listening right now. Hi, Graydon. Um, uh, so he had kind of put a feeler out there that the board was looking for a new secretary and Mm -hmm. I have a background in administrative assistance. And then I was working part-time at a restaurant, um, in the North loop. And this guy came in with an Imba hat and I was like, oh, do you mountain bike? So I struck up a chat. Turns out he was on the board. Huh. So I had two people kind of pressuring me. I did uh, my first year. I was the administrative, the secretary mm-hmm. uh, for Mark. And then I was voted in as president. So I've been wow. president for the last four years. That's uh, this great. This will be my fifth year as president and my last year in my term. So is that, yeah, you, are you guys term limited? So you have yeah, limited duration? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we, um, I can't ever remember if it's two, three year terms or three, two year terms. I can't, <laughs> I should know the bylaws better. I'm very sorry. Um, that's what the secretary is for, right? Yes. Yes. You're the president yes, now. Yes. <laughs> and it's changed since I was the secretary. So it's okay. But so essentially six years is a max term served. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2020 will be my last year. So it sounds like you've had a, you've had a pretty good run. What are some of the things that you're really proud of uh, um, as part of your tenure? We really got into having a committee structure, which I think has just taken pressure off of this is all, you know, like bureaucratic, whatever. But yep. it's really important as an organization to have a structure mm-hmm. so you have people that can do the trail work who say to a trail director, I did X, Y, Z, and the trail directors report to the board, just sort of a chain of command Mm -hmm. that wasn't really there before. Um, Because it's a growing organization. It's always moving. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it ebbs and flows. We have had a full 15 board participation rate before. Now we're at nine, I think. So it's a little bit of a struggle. You know, we're only at two-thirds capacity. But it just helps to alleviate the pressure if we have that chain of command to just speak up. And then we also get to hear the voices of the people that are working and doing trail Boots on work. the ground, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, just uh, that feedback, so. It, it's, it's challenging, I'm sure, as a volunteer organization. I, you know, I'm part of volunteer you know, boards as well. And it's tricky, especially if you're shorthanded, yeah. if you don't have the full group of people there. Right. So you mentioned that you're recruiting. Talk a little bit about some of the positions that you have on the board that you need to fill. Oh, anything. I mean. <laughs> people um, who have a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and the important thing is I just tell people we, we do, um, you know, we, 
We are a working board. Nobody on the board is paid to be there, so we all have at least 40-hour work weeks. Um, some of our board members are actually in school as well. Wow. Um, so it, it's a lot... It's a lot to ask of a person. Six yeah. hours a month doesn't seem like a bunch, but it it kind of adds up. But yeah. so I would say, you know, I was I was telling you earlier before the show, it's like everyone wants to be like, yeah, I'm work. You're just like riding around doing cool stuff, right? Which is true, but we also have to do kind of the hard work. So everybody well, we, can enjoy that right, opportunity, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, if you have any type of interest or passion about biking, we could always use help. And if it's mm-hmm. not. If you're not a good fit for the board, if you want to get connected to trail work days in your area or just assist in, you know, social media posting Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, about a grant we might be applicable for. We're really looking for any assistance we can get because, again, we're fully volunteer at this point. So, yeah. That's great. (laughs) Now, uh, obviously, when it comes to building trails, you have to work with local uh, governmental agencies. You have to work with trail and, you know, landowners, mm-hmm. what is it like, what's the relationship like between Mork and those, those landowners? Sure. Yeah. So we actually, um, we have trails all across the Metro. We're North as far as Monticello, South as far as Bloomington, West as far as Independence. Well, Lake Rebecca is actually, I think even farther West than Independence and as far East as basically almost the river. We have a big territory. We divided it into four parts and we have, um, trail, Uh, committee members. Mm -hmm. So right now we have three of the four positions filled and they are really the ones. um, So they're board members. They deal with the land managers. We have eight land managers that we work with. So we're talking about Hennepin County, Mm -hmm. Ramsey County, Dakota County, Three Rivers Park District. Um, Thankfully, we do have a lot of folks in those um, regions with those land managers who know about Mork, Mm -hmm. have either been on the board or worked with the board in the past. That's great. So we're really, yeah, we're really grateful that we have that relationship. But Mm -hmm. truly it is about, they all have different standards about what you can and cannot do with the land. Sure. Where you can cross the other, you know, paved path, Mm -hmm. the cross-country ski trails, um, how their maintenance is worked out. Some of them are union affiliated, some are not. Hmm. Um, insurance restrictions. Wow. You know, you think it'd be easy to just, oh, this tree fell down. Right. Um, and Let's can't move we just it. chop it up? But <laughs> it's, you know, I know that happened in Theo Worth a few years ago. A tree went down right toward the end of the trail. And mm-hmm. uh, Minneapolis uh, Parks District, they are union affiliated. So the union workers had to actually take that tree down because it required um, gas powered equipment. We can do hand tools, okay. for example, yep. in Minneapolis. Yep. But we can't do sort of the bigger stuff all the time unless we have a written agreement. So it's it is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You know, you think, oh, cool, let's just go mountain biking. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's still fun. So it's it's really interesting to, you know, to hear all those levels of complexity. So, you know, I I think about some of the things that you do is changing the flow of trails from Mm -hmm. time to time or adding new sections like just happened in Worth. Right. You know, there's a lot of evolution that happens on these trails. Right. It, you must have to orchestrate that pretty carefully with those land managers. Yeah, definitely. And as, as far as, and I'm picking on Minneapolis here, but as far <laughs> as Minneapolis goes, because Theodore Worth lies in the city limits proper, mm-hmm. we do have the benefit of working with the Parks District. And they really do, they advocate and help a lot because they are really able to give us the man hours we need. But a lot of those reroutes or changes to the trails are based on... Um, in the beginning of mountain biking, everyone was like, let's make a trail and let's rake and ride. So I don't know if anyone has heard that, um, but let's rake it and let's ride it. And the um, issues have arisen with that. A lot of the trails previously had been on fall lines. So there Mm. are flooding issues. There are, you know, you have erosion that happens. So some of these rework 
uh, reroutes and reworks with the trails really focus on making sure the trail is sustainable and will last for the next 50 plus years. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of the a lot of the work that we've done at most of the trails has been just to mitigate the, you know, the erosion risk, mm-hmm. the maintenance risk, make it easier on our trail workers. Yeah. Because um, we only have X amount of workers for X amount of trails and mm-hmm. we don't want to task them too much, um, especially with, you know, we had a really hard winter last year. Mm-hmm. We had a really slow thaw. There were a lot of areas that were flooded even up to June, yeah. which is super irregular. Mm-hmm. Um, work's been around for 25 years and we had trail workers being like, we've never seen this. We don't know what to do. Wow. Um, so just trying again to abate that those issues mm-hmm. and, and make it sustainable and rideable for as long as possible. Yeah, you, It's interesting because last year was a horrible year. Terrible. I mean, it was terrible it was for fat biking. It <laughs> yeah. was terrible in the spring for mountain bike. It was just yep. a bad, a bad season all the way around. I know that you, and you sort of hit on this, that trail design has evolved mm-hmm. over the last couple of decades. Oh yeah. What are some of the things that you're doing differently now than that whole rake and ride experience that was going on back sure. in the Sure. And so the, the main, I'm not, the main challenge that we've had is a lot of people just wanted to like rip up and down a hill, which right. I get it. Yeah. Who doesn't love downhill? Super fun. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> um, the challenge with that because of the soil type in Minnesota is that it leads to a lot of corrosion. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we've tried to make a lot more berms. Uh, we make a lot more, I, whatever, I call them flowy bumps. I don't know if there's a technical <laughs> term for them. Um, but what those, you know, they're features yep. and they're fun, but what they actually do is it trains the water to go down a more natural path. Interesting. It's less corrosive to the trail. Mm-hmm. And again, it's less work for, you know, the trail crew and it makes the trail last a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So really what we've done and we, you know, it, it's hard because you want to sometimes just rip up and down a hill and you want to just go around real quick in those tight switchbacks. Mm-hmm. It's so hard on the soil. Yeah. We have a really sandy base in Minnesota. And so once you corrode the topsoil, perfect example, Hillside Park and Elk River, um, there's it was a rake and ride trail. It mm. was super, people went there because it was tough. The mm-hmm. problem was over time, the topsoil had corroded so much. It was washing out under some of the shrubs that were oh, holding in the hill. Yep. It was washing out and it was getting into the sandy base mm-hmm. and you had ruts that some of them were, you know, six to 10 feet across and three or four feet deep. And wow. there, once you've corroded the topsoil to that degree and you don't have the roots of the trees and the shrubs holding it in, it's not sustainable. It's yeah. basically just going to wash down the hill. I can't imagine that that would be any good to ride anymore. Nope, yeah. It isn't. So, so yeah. Mm. And you know, some people I understand it's not as fun, but we want, we still want to be able to ride trails. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and you know, as a person who hates going uphill, <laughs> I love the new trail design concepts because they're so much flowier. They, yeah. you know, you can gradually make your way up to the top of the hill and still get the fun of that downhill. And vomit down. Yeah. 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 It is pretty fun. Yeah. So, you know, we try to keep it interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. How, uh, how are your trail uh, volunteer groups structured? I mean, how does that process to actually like get the work done happen? Sure. So that's probably the most um, active part of Mork, I would say, is mm-hmm. the volunteer management Currently, I think we have somewhere around 100 volunteers, and usually what it looks like is um, either word of mouth or people will contact us on social media mm-hmm. or email and say, hey, I ride this trail. I really want to help out. Yep. And we just connect them um, with the, we have trail stewards and dirt bosses, so that's the structure we have. Um, they're trained in sustainable trail management and mm-hmm. how to maintain particular trails. 
you have to do X amount of trimming in certain seasons. And mm-hmm. so they know about all of these yep. rules and how to keep the trail sustainable. But um, usually it's people in the local community at the trail that they live closest to, that they ride the most, mm-hmm. uh, coming out and helping. And thankfully, we've been able to kind of... Um, you know, not all trail work is on Wednesday, for example. Right. We've been able to have a little variety where some trail work is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We try to keep it away from the weekends, mm-hmm. knowing that people are going to ride. Sure, it's going to be heavy traffic, right? Yeah. Yep. So, and I guess, you know, if, you, if you're if you on a trail, you might see trail workers just say, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're interested, definitely feel free to ask. I mean, we're always looking for people to help out. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you get a super awesome patch that says Dirt Boss on it when you're a You dirt get boss? a really cool shirt. <laughs> nice. Uh, you can get a really cool safety orange or a blue shirt. Sweet. I prefer safety orange because... Sometimes when you're in the woods and you're wearing navy blue, it's not really as visible. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, really good camouflage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> and it, so it sounds like you probably got eight to ten people on any given crew at a location. Yeah, it kind of depends. I think there are a few more at Theodore Worth. Mm-hmm. It's just a more, you know, populated located, area of yeah, trail. Sure. Yep, and some of our trails are just a little, like, uh, smaller. I know Battle, well, not Battle Creek. Uh there's one over by Battle Creek. It, the name is escaping me. It doesn't matter. Some of our crews are a little bit smaller, just mm-hmm. a little more cohesive. Yep. Uh, some of them are a little bit bigger, but we do have a really solid just base of awesome volunteers and riding wouldn't be possible without them. You yeah. know, they do a lot of work. They they blow and rake leaves in the fall. They do the snow grooming in the winter, Wow. Uh, which I know we were going to talk about yeah. later. And then speaking of this spring, really just the, the flood mitigation mm-hmm. and managing the trail to say, hey, it's okay to ride or please don't ride the trail because it's going to cause more damage yeah. and, you know, ruin it for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. So the, uh, I've, I've <laughs> seen posts on, on social media from people like Quality Bicycle Products or bike shops around where they'll get a group together and do a special mm-hmm. day with a team. How do you yeah. orchestrate that and how could people find out more about how to do that? Yeah. So sometimes it does get challenging because we are a nonprofit. Yep. We only have X number of tools per trail. Yep. Um, we try to be really good about juggling the bigger equipment, like the snow groomers, um, if needed. It's kind of a logistical nightmare sometimes, I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, but if there is an interest for a bigger group to participate, you know, the more lead time we can have, the better. Mm-hmm. Because part of it is, um, you know, maybe we don't want 100 people working on a trail because right. we anticipate riders are going to be still coming through. Sure. So maybe we break that group up into three groups of 30 mm-hmm. and, you know... If you have work boots, you know, steelies or something mm-hmm. like that, um, you know, bug spray is always a necessity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, yeah, trimming, keeping stuff at bay, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, shoveling a little bit, mm-hmm. um, mitigating those flood areas. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, we have, we are really truly blessed to have all of our trail crews have very established trail stewards and dirt bosses. Mm-hmm. And they really, they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and they can instruct people on how to help if they want to. Do you have a kind of a preseason, like a springtime gathering of everybody and talk about here's our big issues for the year kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, we do. We try to do um, a volunteer appreciation event in the fall, which is sort of, you know, casually on the side mm-hmm. talking about, well, what do we want to do next season? Mm-hmm. Which <clears throat> there's really no off season anymore except the spring. Right. Because people ride in the winter Absolutely. now. Um, and, and then in the spring, we do have a trail steward dirt boss meeting where The board works with those folks, um, you know, so there'll be 50 of us in a room just talking about what are the concerns for your specific trail. Mm -hmm. Last year, again, you know, beating a dead horse, but it was a lot about the flooding and what do we do and how do we communicate to people that, you know, 
we know you want to ride, but yeah. the weather is not cooperating with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, again, we try to meet once a year. We send out a little survey and ask for feedback before the meeting. And then we try to structure it so we hit every topic that mm-hmm. um, people are bringing up to yeah. us. So You guys have been doing a lot of education around poaching and not riding when mm-hmm. the trails are wet and that yeah. kind of thing. Have you seen that people are paying attention or is it still poaching still a problem? I think people are, it's always going to be a problem yep. just because it, there's, there's no way to inform everyone always about right. what it means. And people just don't understand and that's okay. And we have, you know, we understand that not everybody is going to know, especially Honestly, we've seen a lot of feedback from people who come from either the East Coast or the West Coast. Like, why can't we ride? Well, their soil types are vastly different Mm -hmm. than ours. They have the ability to ride when it's raining or snowing or sleeting um, just because their soil types are so different. Um, But I do think because of the, you know, the things we've seen on social media that people are becoming more aware about Mm -hmm. Poaching the trail really does ruin it for everyone else, potentially for the rest of the season. Yeah. And, and it, it has big impacts. And I think I I hope that nobody is intentionally being malicious mm-hmm. and going in and saying, well, I don't like mountain bikers, so I'm going to walk on this trail and ruin right, it. Right, right. Um, but I think a lot of it just comes down to the education mm-hmm. piece. And we're trying to get better about that. Um, it's hard. We yep. have audiences on you know, certain people use Instagram, certain people use Facebook, certain people use, we have forums still, um, certain people go on our website. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to communicate with our, because again, we're trail focused, gaining and maintaining trails. Yep. Our marketing budget is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're more focused on putting money toward the actual trail. So sure. it's really, how do we communicate this? And then again, the rub with the land managers, yep. each land manager has a different set of standards about what you can post and how and where. Interesting. So we're we're trying to navigate it. I think we're getting better and more mm-hmm. strategic about it. Um, but it'll always be a challenge. So yeah. Well, and I know there are some communities like you know uh, Egan with Leb mm-hmm. and Lebanon Hills and uh, the Cottage Grove uh, people. They tend to do a pretty good job of policing that. Right. I mean, they shut down the whole park. It seems like yep. in Lebanon if it's yeah. raining and wet. Yeah. One of the bigger trail crews is definitely at Lebanon, mm-hmm. and then I think is that Three Rivers or Dakota. I can't remember who the land manager is. At any rate, I know they, they've been very excited because we did a bit of rerouting, mm-hmm. um, built some new trail out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they love it. They want people to come. And yeah. they, you know, they made that brand new parking lot, mm-hmm. full restroom facilities, sheltered. Yeah. They have the little, you know, bike That skills park pump. is awesome yeah it's pretty great (laughs) (laughs) i would just go down there just to ride that we're trying yeah we're trying to get that in more places because people kind of like to rip it up a little bit so it makes it fun yeah yeah um and i'm curious you know you talk about um you know sort of getting people into the sport and thinking about you know how do you broaden the gap between people who are regular riders and casual riders and the cottage grove bike park seems like a great way to to get kids engaged yeah have you seen a lot lot of of kids it's an interesting study because the ridership is definitely younger, mm-hmm. um, and it means they're more energetic and engaged. The issue, not issue, the challenge we have seen with that is a lot of the kids move away to go to college, right? Or you know, the parents move maybe somewhere else after sure. you know empty nesters, mm-hmm. um, and then the the kind of I mean bummer again about living in Minnesota with our freeze thaw cycle when we pay for the soil glue. It doesn't last as long as it would maybe in a different climate. Sure. Um, So it has its own challenges, but I think it's important because it's not something that is 
you know, available for mm-hmm. everyone in a five mile radius. Per yeah. Se. So it is kind of a little, mm-hmm. a little ripper. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you talked about some of the changes that have been made recently at Lebanon Hills. What are some of the other things that you work with people on to create new changes? I mean, how often do you build like whole new sections of trail at a location? For sure. It, it really depends on the land manager mm-hmm. and the, the money, either the land manager or Mark has. So there's, there's a process. We, for example, um, I think in 2018, so we have 13 trails right now that we maintain. That's going to tick up in a couple years here. But um, we had seven new trail requests in 2018. Wow. So that would have been 150% of wow. our capacity. So, you know, initially, and this is also from public interest and land manager interest, um, but often... What really needs is critical and happening first is having that land manager buy in. Because mm-hmm. it's really hard if you're like, I want to build this trail here. Yep. It's in a park district. If if the land manager, the park district isn't on board with that, that's gonna put up its own set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, environmental impact studies. And thankfully, because we do focus on sustainability, that's we're not putting in paved trails. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're putting in natural features. Yep. Um so yeah, just getting all of those pieces in alignment. And then the funding is a big thing. And actually, signage is usually 80% of the budget, shockingly. Interesting. Um, yeah, signage is huge. And everyone's like, I want to see another sign. And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's going to be 10 grand. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's not quite as easy as that all the yeah. time. But when you talk um, about signage, are you talking about trail wayfinding signage? Yeah, is that what you're Yeah. yeah. And I know, um, and I'm going off topic all over the place. That's here, great. I know for Battle Creek, um, yeah, 80% of the budget for the mountain bike trails was the signage because wow. it's it's not always easy and straightforward. That's a little bit of a, the structure of that trail is a little older and I know they're going to do some rerouting, mm-hmm. but you know, you also don't want people to get lost. <laughs> yeah. You know, after the show, I'm going to ask you to teach me how to read a, uh, bike, a mountain bike trail map because I am lost perpetually. I just ride around until I find my yeah. car again. Pretty and much. that's okay. Yeah. Just keep going in the same direction and hopefully you'll that's find your way pretty back. Much just it. veer to the right and everything will be perfect. <laughs> That's a good tip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I have a kind of a horror story that uh, involves wayfinding. So mm-hmm. Lebanon Hills, right when they built the new section and oh, they yeah. changed the entry for the the beginner route, mm-hmm. I convinced my wife to go out for the, our one and only mountain bike ride. First time mm-hmm. for her? Oh, yep. dear. And I said, oh, we're going to go into the green trail. It'll be super fun and easy. Well, it was the blue trail. Oh, boy. And there was a lot of hike-a-bike for her. Oh, yeah. She was a real trooper. That is a real lung buster. Yeah. <laughs> Lebanon Hills. Yeah. We were up looking down over a cliff and somebody was coming behind us and we were trying to get out of the way and it was like, she was like so done with it. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Would not recommend for the first time. Yeah. Well, maybe now there's a little more. There is Because it was bit. confusing for a little bit yep. there. Yep. So. So. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I struggle with maps. Even yeah. though I was a, I was an Eagle Scout and I still can't read about mountain as bike long as it, As long as you know your cardinal directions, you should be okay, <laughs> in theory. Or drop yeah. a pin on Google Maps. I don't know. Oh, that's a good idea, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So turn turn right, which yes. is backwards for me because I'm a track racer. We only Ooh. turn left ever. Okay. So that's maybe yeah, yeah. part of my problem. Well, but here's also me. 
Usually the right line is the, the beginner line and the left line is the advanced line. Ah, so that's why I'm usually like, stay to the right. right. Yeah. So okay. that's another pro tip. We try. Great. I know not all features abide by that rule, but yeah. we do try to keep it easy to the right. So nice. You've, you've talked a little bit about and we kind of keep going back to the whole sustainability thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, this year was a terrible anomaly. Yes. But are you are you feeling like are your trail stewards feeling like there's been a change? I mean, is climate change an issue? Um, Um, It it is an issue, you know, and the other, you know, not to get off of what you just said, but the other impact uh, is just fat biking, the Mm -hmm. the huge onslaught because, hello, it's super fun. Yeah, and gets you Um, out of the house in the winter. Right, exactly. That's why I do it. (laughs) So that's been a challenge, too, because in the past, we have not had as much um, traffic on the trails in the winter. Right. Don't get me wrong. There's been traffic. There've been winter races for sure. years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, snowshoe pack it in and then you get your, even your 26 er you know, mm-hmm. your little skinny tire bike yep. out there. Um, but I think that in addition to climate change has definitely, and then, and then other things just being the trail managers, I feel are, I mean, not that they necessarily weren't before, but just they're more environmentally aware. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with hillside, they had a just a tragic catastrophe with oak wilt made its mm. way through the entire park. There wow. were a lot of dead standing trees that they had to take mm. down. Um, but, you know, the park being mindful of that and they had to reroute some of the trail. Mm-hmm. They had to redo some of the trail mm-hmm. just so that, you know, they don't want anyone because someone did break their arm during Ooh. a race because a tree fell on them. Oh, my gosh. Wants to have happen. Yikes. Um, so, yeah, things like that. And in addition to climate change, I think that's something we're going to have to think about and yeah. just educate because... We're all antsy to get out there as soon as it gets sunny, but yeah. that doesn't mean that the trail is necessarily ready to be ridden. Right, so. for sure. In case you're just joining us, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're in studio with Ann Clark, who's the female president, she told us earlier, of Heck Mork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're talking about all things uh, mountain biking here in Minnesota. Um you've kind of hit on something that I've been become really passionate about and that's, that's fat biking. Mm-hmm. What's the, what has, have you seen as far as evolution of the way trails get used throughout the year because of fat bikes? Sure. Um, you know, like I said, there's always been traffic on trails in the winter. Um, but ever since, you know, essentially since Surly, uh, QBP Surly came out with the Pugsley, mm-hmm. it's just been, an onslaught. And I think that was about 2010, 2011. Yep. Um, so many different kinds of fat bikes out there, very affordable and Mm -hmm. also super fun. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like a leg powered, you know, snowmobile and understanding that just people want to go out and be active Mm -hmm. in the winter and have more options than what they were used to. So we've seen a change. We've, We've um, applied for a number of grants that have allowed us to get more snow grooming equipment. Nice. um, Because, Typically, in the past, what would happen is we'd ask a bunch of snowshoers to come through the trail and pack sure. it down, because mm-hmm. um, that's really important, packing the trail down before you ride it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it causes ruts because the snow mm-hmm. packs down and it pushes on the dirt underneath, and then in the spring, you have a nasty situation. Mm-hmm. So we um, we have a couple of our trail steward dirt boss folks who have customized some kids' snowmobiles. Uh, we, <laughs> we have Sweet. some, yeah, we got some big wheel bikes. Um yeah, I know CJ up at Elm Creek. He's got, um, I think he calls it the cheese grater. It literally <laughs> looks like a cheese grater, and he just drags it behind a snowmobile. Huh. But it flattens out and evens out the trail. It really helps to pack down the snow. Sounds like um, almost like a cross-country ski trail groomer. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And, you know, funny enough about that, you, can, I mean, 
if we had a cross-country ski groomer, it would be great. But those lines, man, they really kill you on a bike. Yeah. Because your bike is not necessarily going the same direction no, as those tracks. No, it sure isn't. So, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's been an interesting adjustment. Um, and we I think we're pretty set at most of the trails for the snow groomers. The other hiccup is, you know, when it is snowing, who wants to go drive to the trail to get the equipment out of storage and groom the right. trail? Yeah. Because sometimes the roads are really sloppy. Mm-hmm. We tried for a little bit there to uh, share equipment across trails. It was a disaster. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to drive a trailer with a couple snowmobiles in it? Right. You know, 30 miles across the cities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great for the sport. And yeah. I think it's also increased ridership in the summer, mm-hmm. too. Um, and we've definitely seen rock on a lot more women on the trails which is really cool it is Um, cool and then little bellas is out there too so the younger gals Mm -hmm. so it's really been cool to see the evolution i uh i sold my 29er because my fat bike was i'm so bad at my mountain biking that my fat bike was just as nimble right as my 29er and it was only four pounds heavier so there you you know the ability to plow over rocks and stumps and stuff like that with with no concerns right made mountain biking that much more fun on the yeah it makes it more accessible for people Mm -hmm. i definitely see you know younger kids on fat bikes more often Mm -hmm. and you know people that are maybe a little bit older on Mm -hmm. fat bikes more often but it's great we want to make it accessible we want people to go outside and bike and like it so yeah it's been good i've i've noticed that there are more and more um resorts at least around that are doing you know where they have cross-country skiing Mm -hmm. uh allowing fat bikes on Mm -hmm. the cross-country ski trails are you seeing more of that Yeah, a little bit. And I can't, you know, only from, again, Mork is just the Twin Cities Metro. But I know Mm -hmm. um, a a lot of places do have that sort of like dual membership. And I know um, the Lopit at Theodore Worth, they were doing like a fat bike pass as well Mm -hmm. for the winter. Um, But, you know, being active in both of those activities doesn't hinder either one i yeah. just think it really helps both because mm-hmm. why not bring the community together we both like being outside when it's yep. really cold so okay <laughs> yeah and you know it seems like that people are starting to recognize that a low tire pressure fat bike isn't going to do any more damage to a you know a skate ski area than right. skate skiers themselves yeah yeah it just it just depends on it really depends on the grooming mm-hmm. and if the the trail underneath and how it's it's about the maintenance yeah so i would just say like if you're curious and want to do it, definitely just ask. I mean, mm-hmm. people are around to help you and, you know, they ask someone who's out there. Is it OK <laughs> to ride? Is it not OK to ride? Yeah. So, yep. And uh, where so where do you think most of the ridership goes as far as fat bikes are concerned in the winter? Where are some of the more popular? You know, they really um, they go all over. Um, we've got a lot. Theodore Worth is probably the most populated trail. Um, but I know Lebanon Hills does a great job mm-hmm. about grooming Elm Creek and Maple Grove. Um, Battle Creek. I'm not, I haven't ridden there in the winter, so mm. I'm not really sure, but I would assume cause it used to be a ski hill. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably have some resources up there, but, um, river bottoms is really good yeah. in the winter too. Yep. So I, you know, if it's, it's posted online that it's open, it's open. I think folks do a really good job because, Again, this isn't really new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gotten more popular. Right. So you guys do have a uh, a, a trail status uh, forum out on on your website. Tell people yeah, how to find that. We do. Um, so if you go to morkmtb.org, um, there is at the banner at the top. There's a trail conditions link. Uh, right now, it is on our forums, but mm-hmm. forums are 
they're just it's an old technology yeah. so we're having some security issues with it Ooh. so we're trying to switch over to an app based which okay. there will be a, a a web view so you could still get it online mm-hmm. but we're finding a lot of people are on their phones when they're right. on the trail wanting to know yep. what trail statuses are so mm-hmm. we're working on an app right now and trying to Fun. get that up and coming but for now morgmtb.org and that'll mm-hmm. always be where it's housed will yeah. be under morgmtb.org will connect you to the trail status who keeps so. that updated um, there are individual users that mm-hmm. can log in and change the status. So it's permission based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the trail steward at, you know, Lebanon Hills can log in and say, you know, wet, don't ride yep. or packed ride mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah. yeah, it's people with certain permissions that can do that. That's so, great. So it's yeah. not just anybody crowdsourcing their, I don't believe so. I think we locked that down a little bit. That's, so. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, as you start to think about the future of the organization, I know there's been some talk about battle Creek has got some mm-hmm. new trails planned. There's been some conversations in Minnetonka. Yeah. Where are some of the areas that you guys are focusing in terms of growing your trail network? Well, thankfully we really haven't had to pursue anyone. So this is a really big change for Mork as an organization. We used to have to pursue people to get trails Hmm. go to a land manager and basically beg them and be like please can we build a trail (laughs) on your land now we're thankfully in a position where um people are pursuing us (laughs) which is kind of exciting um but yeah we've we like i said in 2018 we had seven new trail uh requests that came in so battle creeks uh ramsey county they had a master plan that they they developed Mm -hmm. and they're going to be reworking a bunch of that um, uh, up in Monticello, the Bertram Chain of Lakes, that's mm-hmm. a continuing, ongoing. And I think within the next couple of years, I think they're going to um, achieve the goal they set when they started planning the trail back in 2016, I believe. Uh, it's going to be, I think it might even be 20 miles of total wow. loops in there. Um, I mean, it's a fun little trail yeah. now. Yeah. But boy, to get 20 miles in there. I, with all the, you know, there's plans for like nesting and looping trails in Fun. on themselves. Um, Carver Lake Park, um, doing some more stuff there. Carver Neat. Park Reserve, that's going to have, hmm. uh, it's that one is a new one. Mm-hmm. And we've been working with the land manager for that. And I believe there's going to be a campsite on that one. Um, and it kind of crosses over sort of a like a jetty, you know, there's a lot of water mm-hmm. around that one. So that one should be pretty fun. Um Hillside, we're going to be putting in some new features that's up in Elm Creek uh, that the city of Elk River has really put a lot of effort into, like, rebuilding that and making it sustainable. They want Elk River to be sort of a destination for outdoor recreation. That's great. So they're going to continue some of that development in 2020. Um, Lone Lake Park in Minnetonka is going to start in 2020. We're going to be doing some stuff on Murphy Hanrahan, um, Sunfish Lake Park, brand new, approved by the city council last week. Really? Where's um, the trailhead going to be there? I don't even know. I haven't even oh, seen on, a map man. yet. I, I know. go there. This is what the trails committee is for. So email <laughs> trails at morgmtb.org and they can tell you more about it. You were supposed <laughs> to break news here. I know. I just have the <laughs> notes from what I've uh, um, But possibly just like starting construction in 2020 on that. And it... it you know, part of it is planning the trail, sure. right? figuring out where the yeah, trailhead is going to be. So I don't even know if that's, it was just approved by the city council. That's on great. Tuesday or Wednesday. That's so, great. Um, but yeah. So know, there's been some talk about Bloomington levels. too, or some, some desire from people in Bloomington to put some things together in the city. Or the river for, bottoms? Uh, or? Well, no, for, for mountain biking generally. I know some of the people who are involved in the, in the uh, high school league team oh, okay. and they've been talking about trying to get some trails yeah there. so that's kind of a nice little segue so the high school league you were talking about future of trails yep. too what mm-hmm. i was going to say is 
the high schoolers, we're really trying to focus now as an organization, you know, we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s. Mm -hmm. What does the future look like? Mm -hmm. Which is why we've pursued a partnership with uh, the Minnesota State High School League and NICA. So we're working with them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're helping. The kids are helping out on the trail doing some maintenance. They also have like a schedule for the days that they ride the trail Mm -hmm. just so a little easier on the trail crews so they can manage the work. They're probably going to have to do a little more work after the, you know. Well, yeah, they'll come with 20 or 30 or 50 kids at a time, right? And then also breaking it up. Some of the groups are bigger. I think one of the groups was like 50, maybe 60 kids. So they broke it up over three or four nights that they were riding just so you're not Mm -hmm. onslaughted with all these riders. But really it's important to just have that in the back of your mind that the future of trails really is with Mm -hmm. the younger generation and fostering that relationship. So. Yeah, that's been really cool to see, too. That's great. Developing all these partnerships. Yeah. I had an experience. Uh, my, we were on a ride on the trails going past uh, Lake Harriet. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the South Minneapolis, like the Washburn mm-hmm. you know, kids, all came by. And there were probably 30 of them in, in a group. They were heading to, to Worth. And every single one of them said, on your left, as exactly. they drew by. It was really cool. That's was, what I was know? just going to say. Is yeah. like They also are just teaching like polite trail etiquette, which is super yeah. helpful. Because I know I've not been the greatest at all times. <laughs> and also, I've like had my headphones in. And and then I have, you know, someone coming up on me really yeah. quick. It's just mm-hmm. nice to have a little bit of a heads up. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the River Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a group, the Save the River, Bo- River Bottoms. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with them. It, does Mork have an official position or a relationship with them in any um, way? We have an official position. We support their mission because their mission is to maintain a natural surface trail. Mm-hmm. Um, so the... I believe, uh, the River Bottoms Trail Project, they wanted to pave it for accessibility, which mm-hmm. is understandable. Um, and the River Bottom, Save the River Bottoms position is it's in a floodplain. Right. And is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. So we support the sustainability mission mm-hmm. of Save the River Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, I know that we have, um, you know, we we know the guys, we ride the trail, but mm-hmm. Mork doesn't officially monetarily support. It's not part it, of your right. official trail network. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's an unofficial trail is really right. what it is. And, yep. and we do, we have it on the forums if people want to see if it's rideable or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, again, it's about that education piece. Is mm-hmm. it is it good to ride? Is it safe to ride? Is it going to cause more harm than good? Well, so. and that's, uh, you talk about soil conditions. I mean, that's probably the most fragile soil environment in the whole Twin Cities. Um, it's honestly pretty forgiving because it's sand. Most of it is sand. Yeah. So it's easy to ride a fat bike down there. It's it is. challenging if yep. you've got, you know, like <laughs> Skinny a your tires. Yeah, yep. two inch or, you yep. know. Uh, two inch plus bike or something. Um, but it is, but it isn't a floodplain. So the trail path changes mm-hmm. often. Yep. Um, but sand is, it's more forgiving cause it, you know, it tends to wash away or, you know, come back in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you also have, uh, I mean, you obviously provide the infrastructure for the racing, the high school cycling league, but also the Minnesota mountain bike series. Um, what's your relationship with them and how do you manage the events on the trails that you guys work with? Really, it's uh, the trail stewards and dirt bosses and the land managers handle that relationship mm-hmm. um, as far as coordination and everything. And and they, you know, they have the structure, the money, the, the you know, viewability, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, to be able to communicate, oh, the trail's going to be closed this day for a race. Right. So we, we repost the information, but thankfully, um, you know, the race series 
manages that with the trail man, uh, the land managers and the trail stewards and the dirt bosses most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. So, is there a lot of trail prep that has to go into getting ready for a race, or a lot of repair afterwards? Sometimes, um, usually we try to mitigate that. Again, sure. trail stewards and dirt bosses are trained on all of that. Um, I know for some of the races they use, for example, spray paint. So we try to do the chalk spray paint so mm-hmm. it washes away after a rain, mm-hmm. so it's not there forever. Right. Um, and just taking lines that are a little more durable. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe there might be even some rerouting within a trail to Mm. say, well, don't go on this, you know, spur because it's a little more fragile. If you're expecting 200 riders to go through there, you might want to keep it on more of a main path. You want the bulletproof sections. But yeah, and that's really where the trail stewards and dirt bosses really work with them to just make sure that like, yep, we're not going to cause any damage. We're going to really be you know, mindful about it, but there, you know, there's some work that has to go into it afterward. I'm sure. So, yep. Yeah. That many people on the trail is going to do some damage. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You're listening to blast beats and bicycles here at 91.7 FM McAllister college radio in St. Paul, Minnesota here in studio with Ann Clark, who is the president of the Minnesota off-road cyclists. And of course, as a community radio station, we have to do some public service announcements every once in a while. Um, and give to the give to McAllister day is coming up on this coming Wednesday, November 13th. It's the biggest day of the year for the whole community to band together in support of everything we love most about Mac. And we need your help to make it a success. You can serve as a give to the give to McAllister day cross campus ambassador by encouraging members of the Mac community, including students, staff and faculty to to participate through making a gift and celebrating Mac, or you can volunteer for an hour or two of on campus day of, or help spread the word online and among your peers in the days leading up to GTMD. And you can learn more about how to help at uh, by emailing Erica Solomon with your questions. So Mac uh, community members, email Erica here at McAllister if you want to get involved in Give to McAllister Day. Uh, we've been talking a little bit, Anne, about the relationships with local organizations. Um, there was a fairly public conversation about your connection with the larger national uh, mountain biking world w- through the International Mountain Biking Association. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship then and now and how it's evolved? Sure. Um, so we joined the IMBA chapter program. Oh, boy. What was it? I think it was in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> it was just to give us a little more structure. So Mark's been around since 1994. Give us a little more structure and assistance with the things that we needed to do because mountain biking getting more popular, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was not in a bad way, but a ragtag organization of passionate <laughs> mountain bikers. And so recognizing we just needed a little bit more structure, um, so pursued that and became a member in 2013. Um, and we we were getting an insurance benefit with that. We were mm-hmm. pulled for insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they managed all of our membership, and they were paying for uh, half of the salary of an executive director. Wow. So it really helped us to get to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Like, truly, if that wouldn't have happened... I don't even know what Mark would look like. I'm wow. sure it would still exist, but we wouldn't be as robust as sure. we are because it really provided that structure for us. Um, and then uh, IMBA has had some challenges in and of itself with funding and advocacy mm-hmm. and just, um, I, I don't know if it's, you know, relationship with, you know, DNR or smaller organizations that were advocating for themselves. Hmm. Um, but they kind of, they had to change how they were funding um, their chapter program. So they said they were not going to help with our executive director, um, and that would have been effective January of 2017. Hmm. They let us know um, in the winter and fall of 2016 about that. So we decided to part ways, and we funded 
um, our own executive director mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our executive director got a job in the city of Duluth. Oh. And we couldn't we couldn't say, no, please don't go. That's a terrible opportunity for Duluth you. Duluth sucks. Who no. wants to do that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he uh, started working for the city of Duluth at the beginning of 2019 here, I think. Mm. Yep. Um, so we have really just been on our own for the last year, which has been its own challenge. The the biggest thing is that, that membership management. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty, I think we have close to a thousand members. Wow. Um, and so just figuring out how to manage the benefits, the packets mm-hmm. that go out, all of that. And, and what does being a member get you? Mm-hmm. You know, there were like socks and, you know, t-shirts mm-hmm. and like bike tools and stuff that Imba would give you based on a certain level. And the reality is we, we, as this organization locally, don't have the storage space. Right. You know, it's not necessarily about the money, but it's, we can't manage having a hundred, you know, like bike tools. And there are 30 people that renew every month mm-hmm. and only four of them want the bike tool. Right. It just inventory management wise, it was challenging. We've, we've gotten pretty good at it. Um, and then it's a whole battle with the post office, which I love the post office, but it's very interesting just the way, because we're a nonprofit, how we yeah. have to like structure our payments for them. So the membership management has really been the biggest challenge in our separation hmm. from IMBA. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing is um, insurance, always getting more complicated. Mm-hmm. Our snow grooming equipment falls into a different category. So that's oh. been a really fun rub to yeah. deal with too. Wow. Um, but thankfully our treasurer, he's got a good relationship with our insurance agent so that helps that's good so so yeah, yeah that's that's kind of how imba started mm-hmm. and fell off a little bit so. yeah is yeah. uh you so you're without an executive director at the moment right do you have plans to hire somebody or are you uh, as volunteer board members going to take on those those I responsibilities i think it's been working pretty well this year um not that it hasn't been a challenge yeah. but it, it's been it's been working okay mm-hmm. and i think if we continue this model we have a good structure set up. So mm-hmm. I think if we can continue this structure and this model, we can get away with not having an executive director. Not that the that we wouldn't necessarily want one, but I think something for the funding would have to change mm-hmm. in that regard. And then that might throw us into a different category as a nonprofit, mm-hmm. which leads to its own challenges. Sure. So it's something we might look to in the future. Mm-hmm. But again, right now, we're just still really trying to focus on, you know, gaining and maintaining the trails core and, membership. Yeah. Yeah. Core yeah and making sure the trails are, it's always going to be a battle, Mm -hmm. you know, because again, it's just getting so popular. And right now we really want to focus on making those trails rather than not that an executive director wouldn't be valuable, but rather than hiring an executive director. Yeah. So, so obviously you're still, um, asking people to join and Mm -hmm. be members, right? Oh yeah. What, what did people get? What's the, what's the membership for 2020, uh, get me. So we have started this new thing, uh, where you get a bike strip. So it's a reflective strip that you can put around. I think they, this started from like a racing series, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first year, We've had a blue one and an orange one, and next year it'll be a different color. So it's also kind of like a badge system. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, check out how long I've been a Mork member right, for. Right, yeah. Um, and then discounts with some of our vendors. We've got some, you know, like brewery coupons, things like that. Um, but really it comes down to supporting the trails. Yeah. A lot of other states, um, you have to have a park pass to ride in the trails. And hmm. so Minnesota is one of the few states in the entire country that you don't have to have that. So truly it really does help with the volunteers, the maintenance, the yeah. tools. Yep. Um, 
And a lot of places, their work will do an in-kind donation. So mm-hmm. if you give 50 bucks, your employer will give $50. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone wants to become a member, look into that too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how do people learn more about becoming members? Where do they, where do you want them to go? So our website has the membership sign up. So it's morkmtb.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the top there, um, I think there's something that says membership or mm-hmm. more about Mork or mm-hmm. something. Yep. Um, it's probably right on the main page if you want to become a member and support. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. And, that's and volunteer, do. uh, opportunities obviously at the board level, right? Volunteer opportunities. You can email president at morgmtb.org. That goes to our entire executive committee. So there's four of us that see those emails. And if you have any questions, we'll make sure to get it to the right spot. Okay. I want to, we're almost to the end of our hour together. Uh, and I know that you are a fan of titanium bikes. Yes. I want to hear about your bike fleet. <laughs> Um, so, well, let's get on the, let's get the road stuff out of the way first. I have two (laughs) Schwins that I love. They're steel. They're older. Yeah. Love it. They're solid. They're reliable and they're comfortable. And I know they're heavy and I just don't care. (laughs) Um, and then for, uh, mountain bikes, I have a really aggressively raked, uh, 650B. It's, uh, I call it Violet Thunder. That's right. She has a nickname. Uh, (laughs) so it's purple. So if you see me on it, I have a teal helmet. So just feel free to be like, Hey, Ann. Uh, so it's a 650B. I got 160 millimeter rock shock front fork. Wow. Uh, Diora XT components. So I'm ready to just do it. You're going to bomb it. Just shredding it. I know. And then, uh, for my fat bike, I've got a, it's a naked titanium, but my rims are bright pink. So again, Ooh. just really going for subtlety over here. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't have a nickname. Sometimes I just call her the cow because she's pretty big. Um, but yeah, I got that titanium. Uh, that's a rigid fork, just a standard. I yeah. got large margins on it. Nice. You know, just I don't clip into that one. I clip into the 650B, mm-hmm. but I like to have that agility. Yeah. I got wider bar, not wider bars. Wider bars now are so wide. I have more narrow bars, I guess, on both my bikes. But, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're fun. It's, that is fun. It's a great compromise, in my opinion, between steel and aluminum because yeah. it has the the um, the rigidity of aluminum, but it has the the flexibility of mm-hmm. steel. So I really like it. So yeah. you do you have a titanium? I bike? I just got a titanium road bike, a Colnago CT1, and I'm absolutely in love with nice. it. It's nice, it's beautiful. It's a 2008. Oh, yeah, so it's a combination of carbon and titanium. Nice. And I absolutely love it, and it's, of course it's got the beautiful Colnago paint job on yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I guy, uh, it's it's perfect because it, it almost matches identically my my Colnago track bike. Oh, nice! So I've got a little family of Italians oh, living cute. with me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. And I know you're uh, you're a fan of black metal too, right? I sure am. Yeah. So uh, you brought us a little uh, a little tune to just, play. Just one. Yeah. Just a little throwback, Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and what's special about this song to you? What what oh, is it that made you want it? To bring it is that the in? onset of winter, friends. This is. <laughs> perfect way to ring it in <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna close out the show with that and I, Anne, I want to thank you for coming in thank you so much it yeah. was great to be here it's really been a lot of fun to, talking with you Ann yeah. Clark is the president of uh, the Minnesota off-road cyclists you can learn more at morkmtb.org and we are going to close things out with a little emperor for Anne.